How are you guys? Good. Uh, recovering from that last podcast, but pretty good. <laughs> when did you guys do the podcast? You guys said it was like just yesterday or when, we, when did you do it? Oh, no, we did it uh, the Sunday after the show aired. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have yet. To, I didn't actually want to listen to it in anticipation of our conversation. <laughs> Um, but how long did this one end up being? Uh, very, very long. Uh, <laughs> Stop. S- six and a half hours. No, 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 no. <laughs> it ended up being two just because uh, the file size, the thing wouldn't let us do one six and a half hour file. Oh my God. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, like I, I'm going to listen to all of it. If I, I mean, I can consume, you know, six hours of uh what is it not revisionist history what was the one that hardcore history you guys oh, yeah. heard that yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah we've heard it's good um i still haven't listened to part two of it we we were drinking champagne the whole time so i think the second half we start to have a lot of fun <laughs> so my oh. apologies <laughs> i can't wait to hear it our, our most sincere <laughs> apologies <laughs> <laughs> no i'm glad you guys are having a good time that's all that matters yeah, we started doing our own English accents or trying to. Yes. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. You say that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's going to be brilliant either way, uh, whether it's good or bad. Um, so then, all right. So then I guess I'll start you off with a question, which is if I haven't listened to the six hours that I'm going to listen to, uh, how do you guys find the finale? Uh, I'd say we we generally liked it. I mean, we we had lots of little nitpicks, but I think our our the highlight for us was the Alex storyline. Um, the kind of first half of the episode, all the relationship stuff was just like kind of whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, we were really rooting for uh, Twinser for Spencer to have a twin the whole time, mm-hmm. or at least I, I was. know. So um, no, you guys definitely were. <laughs> yeah, I found it very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh... It was so funny because as we started to, you know, as the as the episodes started to sort of like bend in that direction, I got so many people who were like, like, we really want you to be a twin. So are you a twin? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, you know that I can't answer that question. And you know that you don't want me to answer the question in the affirmative or not. But also, like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. So I just had to sort of like stare at them and be like, please stop asking me. <laughs> Trying to control every aspect of your face. I know seriously I was just like like I remember we were doing I was doing an interview for it and like this this person actually just like told me the whole ending I mean obviously nobody knew that like she was gonna be British and like Mm -hmm. nobody knew that was coming but like she basically told me the whole twin theory and I was like on camera with a mic in my face and I just remember being like if you could Botox your whole face right now it would help like just don't let anything i think i started just dripping sweat just from like holding my face in like an uh, like non-expression <laughs> it, yeah it is pretty funny i know you and some of the other cast members like when you're doing press leading up to the finale like they, they'd get asked these questions like what do, you, what do you think about a twin and all the people online would have to parse their reaction like oh they they didn't react at all so it means there is no twin or maybe they're just being really coy about it and there is a twin you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, I, and then it was always really funny when they were like they would ask me they're like who, are you happy with who ad turned out to be and i was like uh yeah <laughs> i am <laughs> i was always about like that was a silly question for me to answer as you're moonwalking out of the room to avoid <laughs> <laughs> confusion. 
Huh. All right. Well, um, why don't we record an intro here, sure. and uh, then we can we can jump right in. Great. All right. Uh, we'll introduce ourselves and introduce you. Okay. Okay. Hi, I'm Benjamin Light, and I'm Marcus Sparks, and this is sorry, I just screwed that up completely. <laughs> Take two. This should just yeah. be the podcast right yeah. here. I think so. Yeah, I think this should just be it right here. All right. Yeah. Hi, I'm Benjamin Light, and I'm Marcus Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PL2. We're joined by a special guest today, Troy and Belsario. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, we'll just put that all in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> so obviously, Alex Drake is a uh, a big topic of discussion that we wanted to cover with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the conception of Alex and kind of how you prepared for that? Well, first of all, spoiler alert, really <laughs> rude, guys. <laughs> that's That's been some of the funniest, like, reactions that I've gotten, like, fan-wise when, like, I post something about, like, I don't know, like, a major chapter in my life closing. And, of course, it, part of that was, like, playing two characters. And, like, when I talked about it, everybody's just like, oh, my God, how dare you? Spoiler <laughs> alert. And I was like, I don't know how to protect you from the rest of your life. I can't. Um, so, let's see. So, the conception... That really, I, I think it came from the original books because in the original books, Allie had a twin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the whole interesting storyline that we created about, you know, about Allie and Spencer being related. And then, you know, the fact that it was, uh, that they were related through the fact that they, uh, their, their mothers, they both have the same mother genetically, even though they were different people. Um, and so there were twins in the family. And then I think that's really where it came from, for Marlene. I don't know why she chose Spencer, uh, except that maybe just like the Hastings De Laurentiis family was just the most messed up. Mm-hmm. So she was just like, it makes the most sense. If it's gonna, if anybody's going to have a twin, it's one of you guys, because um, it's just wackadoo. And um, and then, so she she really when I, when I finally bugged her enough that she told me about it, um, I, it, it was, it was something that she'd been thinking about for a while. It was a pretty well-formed story. Uh, and it, it hinged on a lot of things, of course, of course it hinged on getting, you know, Julian back who plays Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and then it, it hinged on how much of it we could sort of play at her being in the UK, which would explain why Charlotte, you know, was, was a for a while. And then why AD didn't pick up until a while later. Um, you know, we kind of wanted to create that distance like geographically from Rosewood. Um, that's really where it came from. And did you, when you found out you were going to be a twin and the twin was going to be from the UK, was it kind of like, how good of an English accent you can do. We'll just go with that. Or was it, I want to, I want it to be from this specific location in England and we're going to like really focus on, on building that up. Yeah. Well, I think like, I, I love, I love accents. I (laughs) I adore them and I like try to learn as many as possible. And you know, like I'm, I'm one of those people that like when I travel, it's a huge problem for me because if somebody speaks to me, in English with their accent, I sort of start to take it on Hmm. and it's sort of like really terribly embarrassing for me. (laughs) Um, but I just really, I love, I love trying to figure out the sounds and trying to, you know, ground it, you know, to say like, if I were Australian, you know, like what would my Australian accent sound like? Um, and just try to see how accurate I can get. So 
everybody on the show had known that I, I loved accents and I, I had a British accent that I would often, you know, joke around in. But then when it came time to actually do it, I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not just going to do like a blanket British accent. I mean, A, because I just felt like it would be so boring and, and also so expected. You know what I mean? Like you have those classic, you know, British, like bad guys, you know, mm. like in Bond. Mm. And they're always very like erudite and very, you know, well-spoken and sort of like that. You know, it's, it's like RP, it's perceived pronunciation. So I was like, we have a chance to tell a story about her through a specific accent. And being that we have two Brits on the show, um, you know, we had um, we had Hugh uh, who played um, Elliot and the, or Archie, and <laughs> um, and we had, and we had Julian who played Ren, and they both you know had their accents. And I said, you know, for me to play this person, I'm really going to need to pick an accent that does not sound like them, mm-hmm. which was dangerous, of course, because in all of my scenes with Julian, you have like you know, one actor that you've seen only speaking an American accent. And so you have that sort of like expectation for that sound to be coming out of me. And then you have, you know, Julian, who's always been British on the show. So it was, it was a risk because we knew that it would also be sort of like jarring for people to see us together and see me speaking in a very different way. But I thought that if we went in a very specific and like sort of more, uh, pronounced direction rather than try to just like make it slightly British. Like I, I knew that we could get a little bit more out of it than, than not. Yeah. So that was the choice. That was the choice to make her particularly Essex. It, it seemed very PLL to me. PLL is not the kind of show where it, you just go with the kind of vanilla posh British accent there. You kind of got to go all the way and, and just, you know, heighten it as much as you can. So I, I thought it fit completely. Well, like you said, the Sid Vicious of it all. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, that was that was one of the funny things because that was what I, you know, when, when when Marlene, I think Marlene actually had originally wanted me to have uh, an accent very similar to Julian, but I, but when I spoke with her because she was really the only person I could talk to, and Maya Goldsmith who also worked on the finale, they were the only two people that I could talk to about Alex's backstory. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was just like, guys, if she was, you know, if she was supposed to have a charmed life, but was kicked out of her, you know, foster family and grew up in an orphanage and then has been, you know, surviving on her own. I was like, you know, odds are she's going to have a pretty aggressive personality <laughs> and she's also not in, in any way going to have, you know, and, um, an accent that's going to be in like indicative of wealth or indicative of like a very formal education. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was really important that in order to like support that storyline, um, that, you know, that she really felt like Spencer was the twin that got every advantage in life. And she was at a disadvantage. Um, I was like, I really don't think it's, it's going to help us to go in the direction of like, and Anthony Hopkins, a uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. If you <laughs> I'm just hearing you talk about Alex. And I'm wishing we had like half a season with her. Yeah, true. <laughs> Me too. That was what I felt about the whole finale. Was I was like, like I, you know, I think I think it's tough because I didn't have the same relationship to the show that the fans did. But I was like, yeah, 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 babies, yeah, yeah, marriage, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sex scene, so many sex scenes. But then, like, once it got to Alex, I was like, oh man, I just want to hang out with Alex for a while. Yeah. 
So, okay, so you really touched on that. Like, what was it like to to build that character in isolation and then to play her, presumably in secret, on on scenes where, yeah, you, you know, we don't know that it's Alex. Yeah, it was. Um, it was interesting because on PLL, like everything is a secret, even like from itself. <laughs> so it was. So I remember you know, the first scene that I shot as Alex, uh, very early on, you know, the scene when Hannah wakes up and she sees the vision of, you know, what we thought then was young Spencer, um, or, you know, Spencer without the bangs, but was like actually Alex kind of trying to make the first, that first step of connection. It was like zero people on that set aside from like Marlene and me who, and really Marlene only came down for that one scene just to like check it out. It was like, I don't even know if the director, I'm trying to remember who was directing it, but like, I'm pretty sure there was some point when I was like, I don't even know if I'm like communicating this to the director. Mm-hmm. Like it was just such a massive secret and, 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 and understandably so, you know, like when I think it was the second season when they had planned, they always knew that they were going to make Mona the first A, but like Janelle Parrish wasn't told that she was the villain until like almost the last episode because they really didn't want her to play any scenes, you know, giving it away. And, and yet, like, that and yet was, there are still the little hints. If you look for them, I don't know how they do it, but somehow they managed well, to, to, to drop the little Easter eggs. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, and that's fun. Cause that's like, it's sort of like if you set up the situation and then you play it for keeps, then when you get to look back at it, you're like, Oh, I see it. You know what I mean? But like, mm-hmm. But there was a there was a constant dance with me knowing that I was playing somebody different, which I think you have to, um, you know, because there were a lot of conversations where Marlene was like, no, 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 you're just like really, really good at impersonating Spencer, like so good. Nobody would know. And I was like, that's just doesn't make sense to me. And also, like, it wouldn't that's not fun for fans to go back then and watch the same scene and like say, oh, my God, I didn't realize it. You know, the scene the scene when Alex kisses Toby, I was so nervous. Sorry, that first one when mm-hmm. she's, you know, when Toby's about to leave with Yvonne, I was so nervous. Cause I was like, I saw the scene and I was like, Oh, Oh God, I overplayed this. I am like, everybody's going to know something's up. Everybody's going to know I'm weird and I'm off. And like, I'm talking funny and like, I'm just moving differently and blinking you know what I mean? Like differently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, people are going to smell it a million miles away. And then when everybody saw that scene, they projected onto it. They were like, Oh my God, Spencer was so nervous to ask him for a kiss. And, and I was savage. like, yeah, I think we read yeah. it as like, wow, Spencer's in kind of a dark place right now. That's a messed yes. up thing to ask a guy. <laughs> oh, I remember what I, I remember. I listened to that episode and it was so fun to hear you guys say that. Cause you were like, Oh my God, it's just, yeah, exactly. I remember you having that thing where you're like, she's coming at it from such a dark, like, it's almost like, somebody who knows they have an addiction, like going back and engaging with it. It's like, it's, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do and it's not a light thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so wonderful because there was never any person who was like, I don't know guys, I think that's our twin, you know, until <laughs> way, way later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So can we, can we break down one scene with that then? Um, I think it's episode 18 when Alex goes to visit Toby at the cabin. What was that like? Did Keegan even know? who who which character was in the room with him and 
Uh, did any point did anyone say like, wow, I don't know. I don't know. Troy and Spencer's really going for it here. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, at that point, a lot of people on the set knew okay. still like not a lot of crew. I still always had that like funny moment with a couple of like crew members when I would do a take as Alex and they'd be like, what are you doing today? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, and which was actually always really helpful because I was like, okay, a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but because actually Keegan was one of the first people to hear about the twin, because then the day in, I think it was the fourth or fifth season when, you know, Marlene told me about it, Keegan and I were shooting a scene together. And, and of course, when I asked her about it, he was like, Oh my God, tell me. So it was like, we both sat down and she told us this whole thing. And then she swore us both to secrecy. So for like years, Keegan knew that this might happen. But then the interesting thing was I was the only person that Marlene told, like, this is going to happen. Like the studio approved it. We're going to start writing it in. So I think Keegan was told that a while ago, but he didn't know if it was like going to be the total end game. Mm -hmm. But then definitely by that episode, uh, you know, we spoke about, about, uh, how different sex between Alex and and Toby would be and Spencer and Toby. (laughs) And also just like, why is Toby so oblivious to having sex with a completely different person? Like, I just figured he was drunk. I mean, he had the beer out already. Who knows how many more he had? Mm -hmm. I also, I also just think he was like really lonely and like (laughs) really just want, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like, I kind of felt like he was, he was a dude at that, at that right time where he was just like, I don't know if anything's weird with you, but I'm down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has that ex- extreme puppy dog look on his face. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, okay. <laughs> Cause at that point the horse isn't around yet to pop its head and be like, Toby, she's acting a little weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. That horse is just, uh, thank God for that horse. <laughs> Thank God for that horse and Jenna, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Jenna, the horse, the horse and the like, blind girl. <laughs> the thing that I love about like Jenna's insane sense of smell is it's like it got us into so much trouble always. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, think about it. You know, it's like like I can smell your blood, Spencer. It was like oh, there were so many moments when I was just like, God damn, her sense of smell. But then the one moment when she's like, I don't think Spencer is Spencer purely because I smelled her. <laughs> I was like, thank God. <laughs> They just miss out on the scene where you have to like follow Jenna down the street as she smells her way to the next clue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we wanted to ask you a little about the the actual production of those scenes when there are you know a Spencer and an Alex on screen at the same time. Uh, how mm-hmm. did how did you guys do that? Did you act against a stand-in or just a no one at all? Um, I was really fortunate in that I was um, I think when I watched Andrea, uh um do Mary Drake mm. and Mrs. De Laurentiis they she only could act across from a stand-in now there were very few scenes but because it was sort of the first time that we were doing it on the show and because they they just had her stand-in stand across from her um I don't think legally the stand-in was allowed to say the lines so I remember it being like really difficult because she would have to like say her line and like act and then she would like pause and then she would like just say the next line as if, you know, she'd been speaking to herself. And I was like, 
when I read this script, I was like, there's, there's no way on God's green earth that I would be able to do this. <laughs> and I asked them, I said, I, I need you to audition an actor. Cause I really need somebody who's going to be, um, alive and moving and also who can watch me in rehearsal mm -hmm. do both sides and uh, sort of recreate it um and so I was like I really need to work with uh a really good actor and so they they did they did this audition process with I have no idea what sides because they couldn't have used the sides um and I'm I'm also like blanking on her name right now. I think it was like Mariella. I will, I'm going to look it up before the end of this, uh, which is hilarious because now that I see it now, it's like been replaced with my image, but she was so good and she was so present. And it really helped me because the way that we would do it was um, I would choose which character I wanted to do first. Uh, and usually it was Alex first because Alex was the one with the most action. She was kind of like driving the plot of every scene and moving here and moving there. And Spencer was really reactionary for a lot of those scenes. Um, and so I would run it through as Alex and, uh, and she would watch me and then we would switch places and then she would kind of approximate the same sort of physicalities and I would run it through as Spencer. So then everybody knew kind of where I would be and what they would need to capture. And then we just shot it. We shot every scene back to back with me playing both parts. Um, and then they, they did a really, really good job of splitting it together. Mm -hmm. I think it looks so good. So the two of you got to do the mirror scene, the, the not quite it mirror scene. Um, yeah. And which, which was really interesting, right? Which was like, <laughs> I was, I was like, okay, so here I am and I'm not, I'm going to play both sides of this. So you had to remember like exactly how I was doing it because even though she was sort of approximating my, my movements or, you know, it was going to be me doing it when we got the like shots. So I was like, oh God, that, that was one of the harder things to, to sync up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely imagine. I know, especially with Alex, it seemed like her character, you kind of worked in a lot of kind of physicality and movement to it. Uh, you know, like it wasn't just the accent. There was like a whole kind of physical vibe that Alex brought to it. And so I'm sure recreating that with a stand in and doing it twice was a challenge for sure. Yeah, well, that was this. That was what was really great about working uh, about working with an actor that was like so on it was, you know, I I you're, you're absolutely right. I really did want to make some very different choices with Alex. Like I even if it was just the back of her head, I wanted her to be sort of like vibrating in a different way. Um, and uh, also that was so that I could have things to kind of fight against when it was her impersonating Spencer. Because I didn't think, you know, I, 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 I didn't really think like somebody should be just amazingly good at impersonating, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, somebody that they've actually never like really been in a room with. Um, all of Alex's ideas about Spencer and her impersonation of Spencer is really all from a long distance observation and also like her judgments of Spencer, like who she thinks Spencer is, how uptight does she think she is, how, you know, sort of like obnoxious or like whatever sort of judgments she has about her sister are what's going to inform her on like the mimicry. Hmm. Uh, so I know we have some time crunchers. I really want to talk about what are some of the inspirations when you were directing your episode? 
what do you mean? What were some of the inspirations? Like, so what, how did, when you, when you started that process and you're like, okay, it's official. I'm directing an episode. Like, what did you want to bring to it? What was the thing that's been like in the back of your mind for, you know, six and a half years. And you're like, I don't want to do like, oh. the whole kitchen sink out there, but like, what were you thinking? What, what did you know that you, a stamp you wanted to put on there? Oh my gosh. Um, there were, well, you know, really for me, I could only this because it was my first, uh, chance to direct uh, what really inspired me were the things in film that I adore, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in television. And so for me, there was a lot of inspiration. Uh, I'm like such a huge Fincher fan. <laughs> and so I, and particularly because, you know, we had this sort of like this, the dark storyline of like, of dark Aria of Aria kind of crossing over to the other side. I started really looking at like girl with the dragon tattoo and kind of trying to examine like a character like Lisbeth Salander, who's like sort of an anti-hero, but is trying, you know, but is doing the right thing, but sort of like, you know, not on the path that most people would expect. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that he told that story and the way that he created the, the way that he created the isolation around her and the images of darkness. And I remember I, I went to the producers and the network for, uh, for my episode. And I said, I really want to make this show a lot darker than it is. And I mean that like color wise. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, even you can do a lot in post, but like everything is sort of, lit to be uh, a certain way sort of you know bright and even in its darkest moments you want to be able to have to be able to pull all of those details out and decide how dark you want to make it but going into it um working with with my dp with craig i i was like i really want the chance to make this much darker than we've ever seen so the shots in the the locker the, the locker sequence mm -hmm. when she's walking down the hall um you know, that was like a permission from them to almost use no lights, just like natural lighting uh, and like her flashlight on like a bounce card, which was something that we'd never really done before. Hmm. You know, even when we're walking through the the woods at night, there's like a moon balloon and like crazy fill light everywhere. You know what I mean? So hmm. it's like it's dark, but it's not. But I really wanted to kind of explore a different side of of the show with that storyline. Um, and it was the same sort of thing with Spencer and Marco in, um, in the lost woods. You know, I, I asked if that entire thing could be handheld and if we could use flashlights really to light it, because I'm like, I don't really think that we're gonna, like, I, it just, it, I know I was like, I understand that we're in pretty little, pretty little liars and like, this is the way that it looks. But also for me, like when I think about an abandoned motel, when you're meeting like a person on the run, like you're not going to turn on the lights. So what does it look like if we like honor that, you know, mm -hmm. and they, they were totally supportive of it. And they, they really let me, let me play with that. And they really let me play with some really fun. I think that there were some wides that were pretty unconventional uh, and some shots that I just really wanted to give it a little bit more of like a, I mean, our show is so beautiful, but I really wanted to try to give, give it a little bit more space mm -hmm. and a little bit like of a, of a much more like cinematic breath because i feel like sometimes it gets a little bit just like you get stuck in close-ups you know mm -hmm. and i just really before I, I knew that that was going to be there for a lot of scenes but i was like guys this is my first time playing ball let me do what i want <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I think you hit it out of the park, especially the first time you see Arya in that episode where you see the guy taking out the trash and you just kind of slowly pull back and there she is crouched to the side mm-hmm. of the dumpster. Yep. Yeah. Now, did you direct the scene with you and Ren uh, at the end of the episode? I wasn't sure if that was like something that was shot later and inserted or was that all? No, 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 no. I directed that, which was really that was also very difficult because that was the that was the very first scene in which um you know Alex was caught mm-hmm. like without a plan you know and so and so it was it, that we knew I, I think that there was a version in which we could have like really not played our hand but what I really wanted to do with that and what I attempted to do as the director was sort of tell everybody I was like, this is where we sort of have to tip our hat because this is when the audience can get like behind the storyline. Cause I mean, look at what already happened still, you know, to this day, I got so, I got so much flack cause they were like, well, we don't like that it's Alex because it's somebody that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, and, and that's what I kind of talked a lot about with Marlene was I was like, if you truly save this twin to be a slap upside the head in the very last episode ever of our show, it could be really discombobulating. And one of the most fun things I feel about a mystery is that when you start to formulate your own ideas and then you start to like feel vindicated in them and you're like, Oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Then you're like on the ride. Then you're, then you're like waiting for it and you're like, Ooh, I really want it to be this. I really hope it's this. It's just like what you guys were talking about where it's like you started posting things and you were like, I hope there's a twin. I hope there's a twin because you knew you felt it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if we hadn't sort of gone in that direction of making, you know, if I, if I had just tried to play that scene, like super spensary, like it was no problem, then I think it, it wouldn't, it would have done a disservice to that storyline. Yeah, speaking of uh, tipping hats, uh, a little birdie told me that originally Spencer or Alex, I should say, was supposed to wear a hat in that scene, uh, but ultimately oh. she did not. Was that little birdie named Joe Doherty? Uh No, in fact, not. I cannot reveal my sources. Okay, understood. Will not reveal your sources. Yeah, that was a really big. I don't know why. Um, that was a really big thing where Joe had a very distinct idea uh as joe often does um (laughs) where he wanted to he wanted her to be wearing a hat um and and we started like trying on hats we found this really beautiful hat with a beautiful silhouette and uh and i was really excited about it and then all of a sudden the message came down from on high that it was like she cannot wear a hat that just (laughs) tips it off too much and i was like wait a minute what it was like, like for only evil twins wear hats. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Spencer's worn hats before. Like what? And it was like, we really just think that'll just people will totally, you know, Spencer didn't wear a hat at all this episode. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so it was just this weird thing that we got caught up on where I think actually Joe and I in, in solidarity and rebellion wore hats uh, <laughs> at video village for that entire day just to piss people off. <laughs> And every time I would walk on stage, you could literally see people sweating. They were like, take it off, take it off. And I'd take it off like right before rolling. Um, but it was, it, it, they're actually in, in my, um, in my cut of that, there was, you know, cause that, that sequence. And then I think it goes into uh, Emily and Allie. And then I think it ends with 
Uh, no, sorry, that sequence, then it goes into uh, Arya Ezra or Emily and Ally. I forget. No, it would have been Emily and Ally, and then it goes into Spencer. Um, so those sequences together were supposed to be kind of like a part of a montage, and the montage actually was supposed to to start with uh, Alex sort of smiling like Spencer and watching Ezra go, mm -hmm. and then through a camera movement, we... Uh, we go above the hat. So her face is obscured except for her mouth, which just like loses the Ooh. smile. Ooh. And it was, it was so like, I, I like, even though we didn't have the hat, we still figured out this camera move where it was like, we were on one side of Spencer or Alex, but looked like Spencer and she was smiling. And then it was like, by the time she turned and the camera had moved around, it was like a completely different face. And it was, it was, I, I was super proud of it because I felt like it just sort of like put a beautiful button on the scene of what, you know, the themes that we were going to start discussing about the sort of like splitting of identities and stuff as the the story was going to progress. But I think uh, a lot of people thought that that might have been too much of a indicator. So we were take we were stripped of the shot, we were stripped of the hats, um, but people still got it. Yeah, it is funny how a certain segment of the audience was like, that's not Spencer. And then a other right. part of it, we're like, "What are you talking about?" You know, like you're you're seeing things, you're you're reading what you want to into it. Hmm. Oh, really? I like, I'll, yeah. I'm always so curious as to what like what the the people who like fiercely were like, "No way, that's totally Spencer." Like, what their sort of like explanation for that was. I think those I think those are just Renser fans. I think they just <laughs> yeah. really wanted me to be hooking up with <laughs> Spencer uh, with. Uh, I, I love that camera movie you're talking about. I had to s pull back on the microphone because I was just laughing, picturing you guys wearing bigger and bigger protest hats every day. <laughs> filming. Like, I just pictured you like in these 10 gallon hats. <laughs> it is 100% not untrue. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, so, speaking of that episode, what surprised you the most about that process? And, like, what did you learn that like you'll take to your next directing gig? Oh, my gosh. So much. Um, I, I mean, truthfully, like everything, <laughs> because it's been my first. Um, you know, be, being in the um, being in the the Warner Brothers Directors Program was was such an incredible experience because uh, we they use or I guess used now those sets are gone, but everybody who comes into the program, you know, we go through and we learn how to break down scripts and then create shot lists. Uh, and, and the great thing is, is it's on a weekend. And so you, we get to use the sets of pretty little liars, uh, mm. to sort of run through mock exercises. And some of the scenes were scenes from our show. Mm. So there was, and we hire like real actors and we, you know, we, we talked to DPs. And so it was like funny cause it was, almost like too good of a practice program because here I was like speaking to a, a DP that I've worked with on uh, Pretty Little Liars in the past. And I was directing two actors in a Spencer Toby scene that like was from season four. So on, you know, in Spencer's living room. So it was almost this sort of like very surreal, like real world preparation. Um, and then, and then when it came time to actually do it, I felt that because the program had prepared me so well, it was just a really fun opportunity to try my hand at new things. And being on a show for seven years, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I don't know for other actors, but like I was constantly thinking about 
how I would shoot a scene if I, if I got the chance or how I would, you know, make this transition work or like what music I would want to use for this moment. Like I had been thinking about these things and thinking about how to make an episode of this show for quite some time. So to then be able to step in and do it and feel what it was like to, to really see, okay, you know, you might've had a, an idea for a shot five years ago, but you got to come up with, you know, in, in collaboration with your DP, but like ideas for every single shot. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that when you don't feel inspired by the scene or when you do, or when there's a problem or, you know, time's running out. Um, so it was, it was an incredible experience. I do think one of the most difficult things in moving on to another show uh, and directing another piece of television um, will be stepping into somebody else's world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt, I felt so comfortable imagining a scene between Shay and Sasha because I've seen them work and I know the characters of Emily and Allison. I know their whole history simply because I was just there. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing that I had to reach for. And I was like, wait a minute, are they together? Were they ever, or what, you know what I mean? Like, it was mm-hmm. just like, I, I had the Bible of the sto- of the show in my head naturally from seven years of osmosis. So I feel like stepping into a new world and learning a whole new world of characters and relationships and events. And, uh, and then also like the visual side of that, like how another show moves or sounds, that will be a whole other set of preparation that I'll have to do. I look forward to it, but it will be a, a different experience. Yeah. It's not like you'd been there on those sets for seven years and are totally familiar with them. Right. I, I think everyone looks forward to when we hear about your next directing project. Um, also, I was, I was just thinking 10 years from now, that actress that you mentioned is going to write a play about the weekend where she got to play Spencer as directed <laughs> by Spencer. <laughs> I think one of the no I think one of the funniest things was like I think at some point she said or I came in and I was like oh okay so you um you actually just got back from like meeting your friend and this is what happened because I remembered the scene very well and so I was trying to give her a backstory which hadn't been provided to her she'd only gotten the 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 script and she was like yeah I was just like really confused because like sorry I've like I've never seen the show. So like, I don't really know about this. So I just thought, you know, that like maybe this happened. And I was like, at this moment where I was like, um, well, it didn't happen that way because, um, it didn't. (laughs) And, and I actually never told her who I was, um, which was uh, sort of hilarious. Cause I was like, there was this moment when like everybody in my class was sort of like kind of snickering at the awkwardness of the moment. And then I was just like, I'm I'm not going to do this to you right now. So I'm just going (laughs) to, we're just going to go from this point. (laughs) I can just imagine trying to explain that. Well, this character is my half sister and also my cousin, (laughs) I think maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, I I think I might've even tried to, and she was like, wow, this show sounds confusing. And I was like, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking speaking of uh, creative endeavors there, we just watched feed last night and wanted to, ask you a few questions oh my god you watched it last night crazy it was it was interesting because right as we were sitting down to watch we saw the one instagram live the q a with you and tommy bertelson then we watched it and it was like almost right after we finished it you guys started the other instagram live and it was like cool (laughs) how lucky are we? (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome 
he watched it exactly with us. Yeah, definitely. Tell us a little bit about the writing process behind that. I know it's something you've been working on for a long time. Um, the writing process, uh, I, I was, I was fresh out of college and I had just booked my first theater gig, but it wasn't going to start for a month. And so I was kind of like, I didn't really feel like I should, you know, go rush out to, well, I also knew it would have been like really dumb for me to go like, try to get a job as a barista, you know, when I'm like, I'm only going to be available for the next three weeks. Uh, cause they'd probably be like, you're not hired. Um, so I was sort of like, you know, wondering what to do with myself. And I'd been thinking a lot about writing a script and, and I'd even actually written a couple of different outlines about, uh, a sort of like very face, face value, like, um, a sort of straightforward story about my time in hospital for um, my for my eating disorder, and I just couldn't. It was like so new or like so recent and so um, confusing, and I, I also like I was, I was like, ooh, like these girls and these these men that I'm writing stories about, like I, they're real people, and I don't know if I feel like I have a right to share the things that they shared with me, like in therapy. And, you know, so I, I was kind of stuck because I was like, I want to write about this. I want to write about this illness, but I, th that would be too, um, uh, not expositional, like, um, sensational or what's mm -hmm. the word that I'm looking for? Ex ex exploitative. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I said, thank you. It's my own brain. Um, <laughs> dear Troyan, thank you. Um, so I didn't want to be exploitative. Um, and, uh, and then one day I was driving and I thought about the twins because at the time I was dating somebody who looked a lot like me and we were both actors and I was trying to think about roles that we could play together. And and everybody always called us, you know, brother and sister, like thought that we were twins. And so I was thinking about twins. And then the idea happened of the personification of the eating disorder. And suddenly it all just sort of came together. And I remember calling him at the time and saying, oh, my God, I think I know how to write uh, the story of my illness. And it's not really about me at all. And he was like, OK, cool. Well, I don't really want to hear you explain it to me on the phone. I just really want to read it as a script. So. Hmm. I went home that night and I wrote the first 30 pages and he read them and he was like, okay, cool. Uh, write the rest of it. And so I did. And, and so it was like, I read it, I wrote it from, you know, front to back in a full, I think it was a week, maybe a week and a half. And then it took me about five years of rewrites. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the twin in this movie played by Tom Felton, aka draco malfoy we, we kind of have to ask like how cool is yeah. he with like people bringing up draco is is that just like a tacky thing like if you were to say 10 points of slytherin would he get mad or, or like what was his general vibe with that no i don't think he would get mad i think he would probably look at you and be like you nerd um <laughs> you know but it was it was really cool because i remember we we have the same manager and like he went to Harry Potter world and like Japan with him or something like that. And I think like 
our like my manager and and Tom brought me back like a Hermione wand because like they both knew that I was a fan <laughs> of Harry Potter like I was a fan of Harry Potter so like he was so chill and not like weirded out at all if you're a fan but yeah there were definitely no like Hufflepuff jokes on set you know <laughs> wait a James Remar hears of this <laughs> um yeah I think what you were saying about how to write I think you found the perfect cinematic way to bring out the story to you know. Uh, there's something you said in one of your interviews that I love that the voice doesn't just hurt you. It also helps you sometimes you, you feed into it and it feeds into you. Um, this is a really weird question. Are you wearing contacts in the movie? I am. Okay. Yes. No, no, no. It's not a weird question at Con- all. Congrats, Marco. You were right. I was just like watching the screen <laughs> side and I'm like, that's not her eye color. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was something that um, Tommy, the director really wanted uh, because you know, when we first, when we, when Tom Felton first came on, we were sort of like sitting with each other and we were like, okay, well, we actually, we have a similar bone structure. We're both like very angular people, but I was like, our coloring couldn't be less identical. (laughs) Um, and not that you have to be identical with your twin at all, but we were like, okay, so you can, we can dye your hair darker to sort of match mine, but but Tommy, you know, was kind of like, I mean, they're twin souls and like the eyes, of the window to the soul. So like, it was really important for him that like, we sort of mirror each other a little bit more in the eye color. Um, and, and I was, and it was just so interesting because we went through a number of different contacts. One, actually we had like custom made to try to approximate his contacts. And it, I looked like a insane, like twilight vampire. So we were like, <laughs> nope, not doing that. Uh, and then we found this like kind of soft gray that like, it's interesting because I knew that people, obviously people know that I have brown eyes, you know, people who've like seen me have brown eyes for like seven years of, uh, the show. Mm. But, um, but I do feel like there's something about that distance, bet- distancing between the way that I look physically with brown eyes and the way that I look physically in the film with, with blue eyes, that sort of just like is one step away from people's expectation of, of me and of Spencer as well, because, you know, we also knew that a lot of people watching it, were going to be like, is this, you know, sort of similar to Spencer? Is this not all of that stuff too? Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it comes to life when you're uh, given the teacher, the business in the classroom, like, it, which comes to life, the, the eyes, like, it, like everything you're projecting at him, but then especially mm. like the, the lightness of your eyes there. I, I, I don't know. It added an extra effect to it. I know Benji about that yeah. question. I just want to say, I really enjoyed the director's cameo in the movie too. I thought it was interesting <laughs> talking about death to class of high school yeah. students. Uh, so good. Yeah. One thing I noticed, and I'm sure this is probably similar to what you're talking about with like people not seeing Spencer, but uh, a lot of pastels for Olivia, uh, your character in this, at least in her room. And then it would like, when mm-hmm. she'd go downstairs, it's like this dark red, you know, mahogany, like Gothic dining room. Yeah. Gothic dining room. Oh, that was just, that was the happiest accident of all that the house that we ended up shooting in had a not joking blood red dining room. <laughs> we were just like, how perfect is this for our film? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we did really, it, we, we had this really wonderful um, uh, designer that we were working with uh, to, to create the sort of, you know, the, the look of everybody in it and also the uniforms. You know, we were working with um, uh, a, a very dear friend of ours who was doing wardrobe and another dear friend of ours who made 
all of the school uniforms for us. And we really wanted to kind of like play with that world of pastels and everything being like so beautiful and like so perfect. And then sort of, you know, when, when Olivia sort of starts to spiral down and she starts wearing mats, like Navy blue, you know, school shirt, or she starts to drape herself in these, you know, black clothes. Um, that sort of like, I don't know her, her sort of like devolution from the little girl into something else. Definitely almost looked like a vampire by the time of the uh, Christmas party there. Oh yeah. Well that was, um, that was, I remember like when we were shooting it, I was like, Tommy, I look like a crazy person. He was like, not inaccurate. Um, (laughs) I look like Aria. (laughs) I know. Right. He, uh, he really, the way that I had written that scene was that because I think, I think that's a really important moment for, uh, people who, our our parents or siblings of somebody with an eating disorder is like because it happens so slowly and incrementally in front of you that it's like you almost don't really notice a person changing until one day you look at them and you're just like how did you get here what is going on with it you know what I mean and it's like because you can look back and, and that was an experience that I had with with my family where to me, I was, you know, suffering and going deeper every single day. And they were kind of like, uh, projecting their own experience onto it. Like, oh, she's stressed or, oh, she has to go study again. Or she's just like really tired because she's, you know, overworking or blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's not until like you show up to a Christmas party and you have no color in your cheeks. So your blush looks insane you know, or like you, you know, you, you need to put on makeup to like make yourself not look like a ghost. And it just ends up making you look way, way worse or none of your dresses fit. Like, and then when, when you are a family member on the receiving end of that, you have this moment of like, how could I have not seen this? Mm -hmm. And it's so horrific to you. Like that was a really important part of that look was like almost making her look like a ghost of a person that was trying to pass for alive. So what grew out of playing this character that you had been kind of living with, you know, in in the writing aspect for five and a half years, you know, from the writing to the actual production, the collaborative effort of of film? Like, how did that change for you? That's a really good question. Um, I think that uh, it was really interesting. I, you know, I, I recently watched... Um, I recently watched the the Lily Collins film to the bone mm-hmm. and I had a really intense reaction uh, to it because I felt so like connected to the way that she dressed and the way that she moved. And that was somebody who was much, much more uh, progressed in their, in their eating disorder. And she, she reminded me a lot of me um, later in my life. And so I felt like really, really akin to her. And the interesting thing about Olivia was because she she was so much based on, you know, who I was in high school, which was much further away. You know, she like the the, the very like sort of like little girl like movements and the relationship to her father and mm-hmm. the pressure of school. Um, it was really interesting because I thought that I was going to go back into that and I was going to just feel like 
oh no, I'm just playing a younger version of myself. But actually, because I had had the distance from it, it was almost like I, it felt like playing a new person. Um, and it felt like exploring a new relationship because I, you know, I, I didn't have a twin and I didn't have a twin who died. So, so in writing it, I felt very much like I was expressing like my own personal, uh, sort of experiences, but then in, in playing it and performing it, there was just such a connection that I felt with, with Tom playing Matt that like, just wasn't like anything that I had been experiencing or anticipated experiencing. And that, and that was really where Matt and Olivia became the Matt and Olivia, not inside my brain, but you know, from me and Tom together. Mm-hmm. So that changed a lot. All right. Well, uh, before we let you go, just had a couple quick questions for you. We know you're a big Here? Game of Thrones fan. Uh, who Huge. Do you, who do you want to see end up on the Iron Throne? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it's so tough, right? Because it's like, who do I want to see versus who do I think will be up there? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I let's do both. really, oh, let's do both. <laughs> I really, um, I mean, obviously, I want, I want Jon Snow to like team up with his uh, aunt, uh, Daenerys. Believe so, yeah. And yeah, right, yes, aunt. Like, I really want them to realize that, like, they are, you know, like the fact that he is like the wolf and the dragon. She's the dragon. Like, I just kind of want them to be together and like rule. Obviously, not as. Uh, you know, uh, romantically, because that would be mm. incestuous, but like as, you know, platonically as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't think that that's going to happen because I don't think that people in this world are good at sharing. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess I really, Oh, it's so, no, it's gotta be, it's gotta be them. It's gotta be them together. Like I couldn't, like, I wouldn't be stoked if like it was just her or if it was just Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that they can sort of like realize that they need each other and they can do it together. Or at least start a band called the Wolf and the Dragon. Oh my God. I'm so ready for it. <laughs> Thank you, Detroit. <laughs> so who among the PLL crew do you think would end up on the Iron Throne? Of, of course, besides Mona, you know. Besides Mona. Oh, um, character wise. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Really good question. I feel as though, um, I mean, definitely Mona or like old Allie, hmm. old Allie for sure. New, new Allie would kind of be like, no, it's okay being a beautiful princess. I'm good. I've changed. Pug sweatshirts. Yeah. Pugs. Um, who would be up there? I mean, uh, I, I always feel so bad to turn it around, but. It's just, I just really feel like it would be a, it would be a Spencer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably it would be, she would have to fight like Alex for it. I feel like Alex would definitely like make a claim for the throne and then they would have a certain, a sort of like fight to the death in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Alex would do the thing where she would like actually kill Spencer, but then pretend to be Spencer so that everybody would be like, yay, Spencer's the one who won and she's the one on the throne, but secretly it'd be Alex. The this, dark ending. Yeah. Like, this happy ending got real dark. <laughs> I'm so way. sorry. <laughs> um, so if you found yourself in a situation similar to Spencer at the end of PLL there, how would you prove to people that you're not the evil twin of yourself? Oh, man. That's a really good question. 
it was really unfair. It was an unfair situation for Spencer to be in because it's like, I mean, imagine like she had known about her twin sister for 48 hours, maybe. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, Alex had been doing like deep research on her for you know, years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it was like, there, you, you don't know what you can pull out. Cause you know, Alex has been like single white femaleing you from the, from the start. Um, what would I do? What would I do? Oh, it's so lame, but I would probably like pull out some sort of like weird, weird concealed secret that I had with somebody. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're like, look at them and be like, remember the night we did that thing? We're never supposed to talk about it. And <laughs> we're like, we're not going to ever reveal it to anybody. And they sort of like stare at them really hard. And they'd be like, uh, OK, I guess I don't want anybody to hear about that. So, yes, it's you. So, <laughs> Toby, sorry, I, I, like they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That must be the evil one. <laughs> Toby, it doesn't happen to all men. <laughs> it's oh not God. perfectly natural. <laughs> I think Alex was smart because she she played to her judge. And I think. If I have like micro criticisms of the finale, it's that Toby yeah. shouldn't be the judge of Spencer. It should have been the other three liars or the other four liars. You know what? I think you're totally right because I think that when uh, when Toby ended up sleeping consistently with Alex <laughs> and not understanding, it was like maybe that's not the person that you plead to. Like that's actually that would have been way better for Spencer if like. Alex the whole time was like looking at Toby and was like, oh my God, how could you not remember me? And I feel like Spencer would have like passed right by and been like, fuck that noise. Hey ladies, look at me. Look at me. Then we would have had to go get the horse again. Make the, make the <laughs> ruling. Toby would have been like, can we have a horse break? Hold on. Jenna rides in at that horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wait a minute. You know, I never in the beginning, first of all, I would love to talk to you guys like forever about this, but like in the beginning of the episode in the, in the dream, Mona's dream sequence, mm -hmm. Jenna's riding a horse and Jenna's riding a white horse. And I never really put it together that like, if it weren't for Jenna and that horse, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. about the twins, it was like really interesting that you start off the episode with like the two biggest, like the people that we need to thank the most. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just sort of like arriving together. This is when Marlene turns around in the chair, smoking a cigar, and she's like, "Huh, huh?" Yeah. <laughs> you have, you guys have no idea. It was the cutest thing watching her with that scene because we were all like, "Mar, what have you been smoking? Like, what's <laughs> happening?" And she was like, "You know what? I'm having the best time." She was like, "You know, Brendan, come tap dance again." And it was just like the lines and us sweating in the snow and talking about ice in our panties and like it was just. She was on cloud nine. I think it was just like she had carte blanche to just enjoy herself and have a goddamn party. I, I, she earned it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. before we let you go, we saw that uh, you had a new kind of curly hairstyle there. Is that for where do you go Bernadette or is that just for you? Oh, no, that's actually just like my hair. Okay. Um, uh, it's, it's, I mean, that was like a very like polished version of it, which I know it's funny because it doesn't seem like curls would be polished, but um my hair is is naturally curly and uh very very 80s i am a baby of the 80s and it is reflected in my in my hair um and so nowadays we just sort of like always straighten it and that was like a big look for for pll mm -hmm. you know it was like the blow dried perfect sort of doll hair mm -hmm. but you know when spencer gets uh when Spencer got locked up in Radley, they basically were like, hey, um, we don't have to do your hair. I think we should just let it be. And I was like, oh, because my hair looks crazy to you? That's cool. That's good to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty good, cool Diana Ross. 
I know. Oh my God. So Diana Ross, my Dave, the guy who does my hair was just so ecstatic about it. He just kept on like touching it all night. He was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, And for, and for seven years of this amazing character characters. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I really, really, I love talking to you guys. I honestly, I mean this, I know it's going to sound like a crazy thing, but I can't wait to spend six hours with your voices going over the, uh, the finale. Uh, we, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, I hope we're not too drunk in part two. Again, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, get drunk. You know, it's no, but it's, I, I really do. I really appreciate you guys saying thank you, but like, I really do want to thank you guys because I have to say, and I think I said it to you in the email that, um, you, you both and this podcast really made me consider uh, my relationship to the show in a different way because I think I started out really kind of like reeling against what the show was and like any sort of, you know, cinematic references that we made or like way that we tried to play a scene or like, you know, subtle and nuanced storyline. I was like, people don't like it. They just want us to do the candy. And then all of a sudden I stumbled across, across like hours and hours of you guys talking about getting these references and like breaking down these scenes and uh, and all of a sudden I was inspired. I was like, Oh no, we're not giving up. Like it's going, it, like it's, it's getting, you know, it's getting through like people are seeing it. And, and that was so inspiring and it made me really want to like double down and get more involved. And I'm just, I'm super grateful to, to both of you. So thanks for having me. Awesome. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm- gonna just say thank you before i start crying <laughs> <laughs> well we'll all get drunk and cry in the next podcast it'll Excellent. just be like, you know, three hours of hiccuping and sob. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> all right well feed the movie it's on itunes right now video on demand yes, right yeah and uh yeah we we are very interested at where'd you go bernadette richard linkletter movie uh whenever i'm, comes I'm out really future. excited thank you so much thank you you're have welcome a- and uh have a good rest of your day yeah Bye-bye. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.